It's like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, except they stay in Philadelphia and the lead is the exact opposite of Will Smith. We're talking Boy Meets World on today's... We're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to Kid Flicks, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and let a bunch of kids just walk all over you, because what the fuck are you going to do about it? Um, <laughs> I don't have a lot of... Uh, that's my read on Mr. Feeney. I know that he doesn't take shit from anybody, but... Uh, Dude, Corey's kind of a savage. But uh, to talk <laughs> to talk about this movie, uh, my guest today, uh, he's a comedian. Uh, he is the host of Roast Yourself, which you can see on his YouTube channel every week. Uh, it's Ronnie Pascal. Hey, Ronnie. Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, also, you're welcome for getting you into Boy Meets World. Yeah, okay. So I will say, yeah, so um, I have never seen an episode of Boy Meets World. I know that it's a cultural touchstone for a lot of hashtag 90s kids. <laughs> um, yeah, so I get, yeah, just right off the bat, just tell me uh, your relationship with the show and uh, why you chose it today. Okay, so uh, I looked it up. Boy Meets World came out in 1993, so I was eight years old when it came out. And so I think I was at, like, the perfect age where uh, Corey was about the same age, like a year or two older than me, so it felt relatable. Uh, and I was just like, this is great. And, oh man, you didn't really get to experience a lot of Topanga today. Topanga was my biggest crush growing up, so... Yes, I, I know this from a lot of, like, early 2000s internet, because um, there would be t-shirts all over the place. There was, like, I want to bang a Topanga or something like that. <laughs> That's so um, terrible. Yeah, especially because, you know, she's um, a teenager. But oh. you know what? The internet's weird. Um, but yeah, I... My, so uh, we did we agreed for this episode to watch the pilot and the finale um and uh yeah so just seeing the very beginnings of Corey and his friends and then seeing apparently a lot of shit that they went through oh my goodness um <laughs> but yeah so yeah so t- of course tell me tell me about your your love as I, I, I'm I'm aware of the generational love for Topanga yeah, so, uh, well, when I was watching it, I forgot something totally random that happened in my life. This is outside of the show, but I'm going to just tell it anyway right now. Uh, there was someone around the corner who I had a crush on who looked just like Topanga. And I had, like, this huge crush on her. And I was, like, 13 or 14. And I don't think I've ever told this story. So, but wow, this is exclusive, everybody. It's exclusive. It's very short, though. <laughs> I was like 13 or 14, a new Eminem CD just came out and I got a copy of it because I was illegally downloading it. And uh, and I figured a way to, I didn't have a CD burner yet. This is a slightly pre-CD burner. And I figured out how to transfer my MP3s onto cassette tapes because that's how old I am. And uh, a girl around the corner who looks like Topanga was like, hey, I really want that new Eminem tape. Can you bring me a copy of it? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'd love to. And she goes, but I'll be waiting for you and I'm home alone only wearing a towel. And I said, oh my God. Yeah, I kind of had the same reaction actually, because I was like, I don't know how to react to this. <laughs> and so I just put it in her mailbox and ran away. That's so 
the it, the weird thing about how old I am is that I'm very much straddling the line between all of these things. So like, look, uh, I think the Statue of Limitations is up. I also illegally downloaded music. Um, and like I was right at the tail end of being able to purchase uh, cassettes in store, but it was always like cassettes or you could get the CD and like DVDs were available, but like tapes were always a little bit cheaper. But if you wanted the blooper reels, you go with the DVD, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but God, if like that's a, that sounds like a story that if I was in middle school, like that would just be something that I would lie about. <laughs> just like yeah this girl said that she was only wearing a towel yeah she said that to me in the uh this is pre-text message this was on like aol aim days and right. i was too afraid to even lie about it because i was like i was intimidated i was like i've never had an experience like this i don't know how to deal with it so the way i did was just put up a wall i mean that uh, girls love a stoic guy that uh won't respond to anything uh well i rang her doorbell ran away left it and then later was like hey uh the cassette tapes in your mailbox do you do you remember which eminem album i don't know why that's the thing that i'm most curious about in this entire story yeah it was marshall mathers lp so the second one wow the dark dark heavy one (laughs) yeah really really like brooding (laughs) stuff that as uh like a middle schooler you're just like yeah this this is all about, this is all that I want. And this is all I am. Well, in her defense, or like both our defense, at this point in the whole Eminem trajectory, he's still just like this funny, quirky guy. Cause like that first album's like funny and quirky. Yeah, all the sound effects and stuff. Yeah, and like hints at misogyny, but isn't like full blown misogynist yet. And then the second album, we don't know what it sounds like yet because we haven't listened to it. And it's, I mean, it's, good album in terms of like skills but like oh it's so dark it's so dark oh yeah well the it's it's actually funny then we're not really that far apart in terms of like cultural touchstones because um i i also went through like an eminem phase in my life and uh looking at his discography my the one that i listened to a lot were his next two albums the eminem show and encore Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Encore doesn't really count because it's kind of just like, isn't it just like a lot of just like his uh, best hits and stuff? I think uh, so. there's I some new things in there around that era. That's when I like phased out and I was like, not for me anymore. Yeah, I <laughs> my favorite my favorite song on Encore. Um, one of this one of those Eminem songs that no one thinks about ever is Puke. Um, I don't and know. It's, so it's a song, the chorus is, you don't know how sick you make me. You make me really sick to my stomach. Every time I think of you, I puke. And the song starts with uh, Eminem really loudly puking. Like, it's just puke sound effects for like six seconds. And then the beat drops and it's fantastic. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I gotta go listen to that later tonight. Yeah, it's really good. But yeah, so like, it's also very funny now looking at the track list for the Marshall Mathers LP. And like, I mean, these are the classics on here. There's Kill You, there's Stan, there's the real Slim Shady. So like, and even Kim, uh, which is a really intense song. Any song that even goes even close to his uh, wife is not fun. But uh, as a kid like that, I remember that being like the real 
badass that I felt because like you could still hear Eminem on the radio but like you knew what was behind the bleeps and stuff (laughs) yeah as long as you had that it was like cool and trendy yeah um (laughs) and I bet Corey and the gang did not listen to anything of that sort uh i think sean definitely did uh i don't think you got enough sean in this sean 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 is the is one of the best friends at the the lunch table sean is yeah at the beginning he's one of the best friends but throughout the show he's like his best friend so okay so i i did read the synopsis (laughs) a brief synopsis of the entire show so forgive me if i switch up details is sean the one whose mom left and then his dad left to find her and he was just gone for like four seasons? Uh, something like that. Because like Sean's father figure ends up being his stepfather who ends up dying somehow, which I yes. think he got a very brief because uh, the ghost came in the finale. <laughs> yeah, it's literally 10 seconds. It uh, the, the stepdad shows up and he's like, I'm proud of you, both of you. And yeah. then he fades away and then they look at a picture frame. And he fades away and then pinches a butt of a teenager as he walks out. Wait, how did I miss that? Oh, he pinches the girlfriend's butt, the redhead girlfriend. Oh, oh, when they said that they were going into the Peace Corps? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yes. That's what that was. I was really confused. I thought that she, like, saw a bug or something, but that's worse. (laughs) It's so cringy. But, uh, yeah, Sean, so Sean, Corey, and Topanga are best friends. And then for a little while, there's a character who gets written out, but his name is Minkus, who's a nerd who's also kind of part of the crew. So, uh, yeah, the four of them. And then Eric, uh, Corey's brother, is also part of it for a while. I mean, he stays around. And then towards, like, season five or six, they write Eric into, or excuse me, Sean into having a girlfriend. So she's part of it for a little while. Angela. I think Angela dies. No, if I remember, Angela went with her father, who was like an army general, to join, like, because he was recruiting at the college for the ROTC program. Uh huh. Okay. (laughs) How do I know? I hate that I just have this information now. I have no context for the show, but I'm like, here's some fun facts. Well, I'm glad you clarified because I forgot what happened to Angela. I just remember a blank spot and then. The second or third to last episode is called Angela's Ashes. And I was like, oh, did Angela die? And I don't remember that. Yeah, I th- I'm i pretty sure that that's what happened because her dad was an army guy. And he was like, do you want to come with me to like Europe or whatever? And she's like, yes. And then everybody else moves to New York. Yes. Which in the very, yeah, the very end of the pilot or the finale, excuse me. So I will say, like, as somebody that, like, lives in the Philadelphia area, this show did feel pretty accurately Philly, just in terms of all of the characters wanting to move to New York instead of staying in Philly. Yeah, I'm always curious about that. I was going to ask you, because I know you're from Philly, and I was just like, isn't New York and Philly essentially the same thing and very close? Like, it's an hour and a half away. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, in terms of the Philly comedy scene everybody is everybody either goes to new york every couple weeks for shows or they have a personal vendetta against anybody that comes down from new york to do shows (laughs) so i shouldn't go visit you guys and do shows yeah come on down uh everybody else is just jealous no but uh, like uh well the whole plot of the pilot how um cory and eric are supposed to go to a phillies game and uh eric decides to take a girl instead um I mean, that felt very accurate. Like, 
Philly kids love sports. Like I didn't, I was, uh, I'm a little too young to have experienced like pocket radios <laughs> to sneak into class. Um, and also I went to a Jewish day school, so we weren't really talking about sports. We were talking about like the Megillah or whatever, <laughs> but like it, it, it was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if this was filmed today, the same thing would be happening. It would just be on his iPhone. Yeah, that's true. Um, it all, I guess it also, the timeline of the show technically makes sense, but it I was very confused, like, watching this show that, like, oh, my God, they go from middle school to college over the course of this series. And I guess I had to remind myself that that amount of time is a lot smaller than I think of it in my head. Yeah, because, like, all right, uh, this took place in 1993. I was in third grade. They're five years older than me. So they're in, like, eighth grade ish when this starts like seventh eighth grade so eighth grade to like whatever seven years later is yeah that's like right end of middle school through high school also i'm sorry but you missed in some of the middle episodes adam scott has a story arc oh man oh wait is um is the adam scott storyline and i don't know why this is just kind of like a muscle memory is it like that he's like an alcoholic cousin no he's like a bully who like him and another guy. Do you know the wrestler Vader by any chance? I unfortunately don't. I That was an epiphany that I had right before quarantine started of like, I think I want to try to get into wrestling and like see shows and then never mind. Yeah, I stopped watching wrestling when I was 17, so you're not missing much. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I hear it's going through some golden age stuff. I don't know. Oh, I'm but, so happy for them. Yeah, good for them. Uh, Vader was like a big wrestler in the late 80s, early 90s, and he makes a cameo on the show for a bunch of seasons. And he's his son is a bully who's a big dude who's the underling to Adam Scott, who's a scrawny little guy. So like the joke is the big guy is afraid of the little guy and they Classic. would take bets and stuff and they would like pin people into lockers and stuff. This sounds great. I definitely i'm gonna watch that when we're done recording because oh oh my god i've seen these clips that's right oh my god he has not aged at all adam scott looks like they just like kind of like stretched him out a tiny bit not even a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> he's like a shrinky dink version of him so. <laughs> so okay so when it comes to Boy Meets World, you've you've talked about, I'm trying to think of like what people have told me in passing or what I know in passing. So now I know about um, Corey and his world. I understand Topanga. So like what what is the general consensus about uh, Mr. McFeeny or Mr. Feeney? Not, I'm thinking of the guy from Mr. Rogers as well. So Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney. All right. I think generally we like him like he's a good guy uh he has their back he's a little strict and weird and nuanced but like he's this good father figure right and he uh as you saw in both the pilot and the finale he was someone who was always there for them he was their next door neighbor so like borrowing on like 90s trope of like and like home improvement for instance wilson oh, sure yeah like the sage who lives next door who's always there to offer like a nugget of advice Feeney was that guy. And then Feeney also had like that emotional, like that sister who stands him up for dinner. That was heartbreaking, right? Oh. Corey's like, we ate dinner together last night. And Feeney's like, what are you talking about, Mr. Matthews? I don't know what that accent was, but. <laughs> no, he's Transylvanian. And, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> Mr. Matthews, I come to suck your blood. <laughs> 
it's also a weird dinner like both of them eat, eat weirdly so mr feeney eats a, a huge fucking salad by himself <laughs> and then Corey bites into the largest chicken leg i've ever seen it's like he got it from like uh what is that called when you dress up in medieval, medieval times, times. Yeah. yeah it's medieval times <laughs> and it was a weird it, i realized oh this is like a serious moment because he like bites it so comically large and takes such a big gob that i'm like okay when's the laugh track gonna come in for this little end of scene thing and it doesn't come but like i i just like the vibe of this show like i i need to see more to really get a full picture of it but um as somebody that grew up on a lot of early 2000s uh, Disney Channel sitcoms, they, and even looking at them today, they've just gotten like faster and faster and more broad. Like this one, I guess, was right around the time that they acquired ABC, that Disney bought ABC. So they were trying to kind of do their own TGIF thing without it just being a separate, complete monster. I feel like this was on TGIF for a little while. Uh, I might be wrong though, but yeah, like for me, this rewatching this, I forgot how like emotionally deep the show got, and it wasn't just like these like broad strokes of like here's a sitcom. Because uh, I do think this pilot's actually really good because it introduces the characters, it sets up what the rest of the show is about. Uh, I mean, they touch on the Romeo and Juliet thing, but we don't meet Topanga yet. But the whole show is about. Corey and Topanga's love for each other and like the shit they go through. The difference between Romeo and Juliet and this show is like the Matthews family loves Topanga and like their strife is between them and not between the rest of the world. But I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this pilot's really good. Uh, I mean, as you saw, we Sean goes through a lot of shit. Sean goes through so much shit throughout the course of the show and you're like, wow, this is the guy I love. Yeah, and I, it was also so jarring to watch the finale because they like all the boys have facial hair and they're like they are so much older. Like, uh, <laughs> like I guess the closest uh, to Boy Meets World for me, and I I I might abandon this comparison, but I feel like it was iCarly for me because okay. I I think I was probably about the same age for you. Uh, with mm-hmm. Boy Meets World. Actually, no, I was a little bit older, but, like, in terms of... It was a goofy, stupid fucking show, but, like, there were these nice moments. There were, they dealt with issues. Uh, like, That's a Raven has a similar vibe to me, too. But, like, yeah, you s- these. it's so crazy to see kids, like, literally uh, grow up over the course of a series. And, uh, I, not to be rude, uh, Eric... Uh, throughout lose like losing jobs dropping out of college or not going to college starting a business with his dad like he he has a lot of ups and downs it seems compared to the pilot where he's like i went on a date with the girl i went on a date uh yeah i didn't realize how like watching this the beginning and the end makes you realize like eric was kind of grounded in that pilot like he is like what how old is he like 14 15 that's what a 14 or 15 year old acts like and and what you saw throughout is, no, they turned him into this, like, comic relief buffoon throughout the show. And I was like, oh, shit, Eric was, like, normal-ish. And then they're like, how do we make this guy funny? Yeah, and like, oh, crap, we can't write him out of the show. Like, he has a contract with us. 
my research today is I was like, who is the most successful one? And I think it's him because he's still regularly working. He does tons of voiceover work now. Oh, really? What does he do? Oh, uh, he did like 80 cartoons in the last like three years. Oh, uh, okay. That's That's been the mo- probably one of the more interesting things about doing this podcast is like most actors, if you haven't heard from them because of whatever that they did when you were a kid in a movie, odds are that they just do voice work now. Like, I mean, half half of the movies that we talk about, it's like, oh, these guys that have done 800 things, but you only remember them from the two that they showed their face. Yeah. Well, like on his IMDb page, uh, Boy Meets World is his number two credit. His number one is he was the voice of Bumblebee in the Transformers. Oh my God. Yeah. Don't remember that, but there it is. That's right. Actually, I feel like there was also somebody else that I looked at um, who also did um, Transformers movies. Oh, no. You, we are talking about the same guy, Eric, uh, a.k.a. William uh, Friedel. He also... he. Oh, another huge thing and relates it to Disney Channel and, you know, my childhood. He was the voice of Ron Stoppable on Kim Possible. Yeah, that's which, a big... Okay. So he's got some pretty big credits. He was also a voiceover actor on Mad TV that I didn't know about. Oh, man. I... So I like, oh, man, this guy has a career, like a good career. Yeah, I mean, Mad TV is Mad TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's still a cool credit. It's a very cool credit. I cannot believe I once in a while will look at Mad TV clips just because like one will pop into my head. Cause, and boy, talk about a show that has not aged well, zero percent, zero percent is aged well. Do you want some inside dirt that I won't name names with? What? Yes. All right. So I took a class in Los Angeles taught by a sketch writing teacher who used to write for that television show we're speaking about. And he said the reason that a lot of the sketches were long and drawn out is because they didn't want to pay money for different sets. So that's sk- really funny. <laughs> and I was like, oh, hot take. I shouldn't be saying this, but whatever. <laughs> well, I think it's fine because it's that's also a thing that ev- so many shows that air on Fox make fun of Fox for how shitty Fox is. Like The Simpsons do it every other episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's really... I also remember Mad TV, they would uh, f- flaunt the fact that the actors memorized their lines instead of using cue cards. Uh but that's also why sometimes the sketch, another reason why the sketches would grind to a halt sometimes. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know what I like about SNL. I mean, I don't love SNL like everyone else does, but I do like it. Uh, I like when they don't know their lines and they're looking at the cue cards and having fun with it. Yeah. Um, actually I just remembered a weird mad TV memory. I, I keep, I feel like I bring up mad TV every so often on this podcast because <laughs> weirdly it was a part of my childhood. Um, but my brother and I, we liked Mad TV so much that one afternoon I like downloaded a bunch of sketches from YouTube and I burned them all all onto a DVD so that we could watch our favorite sketches whenever. <laughs> do you still have that DVD? No way in hell I still do. <laughs> like <laughs> I it was I used like that old iDVD program that uh Max used to have and like I remember I it, I wanted to have like the full title on there but I wasn't sure how to make the font smaller so it was just like a a mess 
<laughs> I bought the first DVD burner that came out for PC, and I spent something like $800 on it. Oh, my uh, God. It went down in price very quickly, very significantly. <laughs> uh, like a year later, if I waited, it was like 100 bucks. But uh, I couldn't figure out how to, like, install it physically on my computer and i remember having like the worst migraine and it was all because i wanted to illegally download and burn the snoop dog dr drain up in smoke tour dvd <laughs> okay you win <laughs> i couldn't figure out how to do it though i could only watch it on my computer i couldn't watch it on my tv because i was like how does this work so you just you just had to enjoy it like everybody else did <laughs> Like an idiot. <laughs> um, so, do you, uh, when it comes to uh, Boy Meets World, uh, like we hinted at before, they had quite a few special episodes dealing with like addiction, harassment. Were there any that like stood out to you as either being like, did you like ones where you actually learned something, or ones that just kind of seemed to be shoehorned in and mix, missed the mark completely? Uh, in hindsight. So I'm remembering like fragments of episodes, but what I'm remembering overall is, okay, so let me rewind for a sec. Sure. TGIF, I'm remembering now that Boy Meets World was part of TGIF because a few years ago, I used to run an improv theater and for special events, we would do this show where I would watch TGIF shows for like a week straight, find clips that I really liked and then we would do an improv show where I'd show like 30 seconds of a TGIF clip, blackout, lights up, actors would finish the scene having no idea what the rest of the scene actually is about. And I remember watching like mid seasons of Boy Meets World and it being really cringy actually, because some of the mid seasons, I feel like they, the writers were like people who idolized the honeymooners and like wrote Corey into being like misogynistic a lot of times. Yeah, I got a weird vibe of that because there was, I think, season four or five, he, like, kisses somebody else and they break up for a while. Yeah. I think it was at a ski resort. It was at a ski resort. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they had this whole thing where, like, Topanga went on dates with someone else, Corey went on dates with someone else, uh, they kissed, and then Corey lied about it, and then they break up, and then they're like, we'll never get married, and then Corey's like, she's the one for me, and I know that. And, uh... So I was just like, ugh, Corey, come on, dude. But what I do like, the thing, my takeaway that I do like is that Sean had, I don't remember, I think both of his actual parents are dead or gone. Or like they don't talk about it. And for me, I was just like, oh, I didn't really have great parents growing up. But Sean, there was a teacher and I'm forgetting his name. You Mr. Saw- Andrews, I think. The one with the long hair. Uh, um, if I remember from the Wikipedia synopsis, they called him uh, Mr. Feeney with an earring. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. He kind of like adopted Sean, not like officially, but like took Sean in as like a foster for a while. And then uh, he would like hug Sean and like drum Sean up. And like he was a cool dude. And I was like, oh, cool. Not all teachers and weirdos and people suck. <laughs> yeah, like I... I... I do love a good special episode because usually if it's good, kind of like it seems that it was with Boy Meets World and with shows like um, uh, Fresh Prince, they're already issues that have kind of been under the surface for a while and they're just really good at bringing it up. And I don't think to the same level because, I mean, by the time I was really 
religiously watching watching anything on TV. Like special episodes weren't so much of a thing anymore. But Scrubs always really struck that balance well of like we're gonna have some goofy episodes, but then the here's here's an episode where uh, Michael J. Fox is struggling with OCD and it's it's mm. killing him in a way, and it it was always the way that they struck that balance was so good. Yeah, like even Boy Meets World. So uh, going on the Fresh Prince thing, you know that scene, that iconic scene in Fresh Prince where uh, Will tries to meet his father, can't meet his father, and then, oh, man, I'm forgetting James Avery's character's name. Um, un- oh my God, Uncle... Phil. Yes. Yeah, so Uncle Phil, Will's like, why doesn't he love me? And Uncle Phil just like gives him a big bear hug. And that teacher, Mr. Andrews, does a very similar thing to Sean. Oh. Uh, I mean, it didn't get like the residence that like Will Smith and James Avery had, but it still was there. And I was just like, okay, this is a beautiful thing. Also, any show like this show specifically, it felt like they've really dialed in like the strings for the sad moments. <laughs> and I was like, oh, even if I don't want to feel sad, I can't help it. I'm sad right now because <laughs> of this music. And it's also part of the fun of special episodes besides just the shift in tone and everything is... Um, you get the feeling that these child actors are like, finally, I get to like really gnaw on this scene and really like dig deep. And it's just them with their lips a little bit more pursed and their eyebrows a little bit more up than they already are. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Yeah, I-, I will give credit though, because, and again, just from the pilot, the- these kids can actually act. Well, uh yeah ben savage is like the brother of fred savage so yeah and he does show up i do know that oh does he i don't remember that but i'm not disagreeing oh i gotta look (laughs) that up yeah don't worry he shows up but like i again it's i revisiting a lot of these mid 2000s uh nickelodeon and disney sitcoms like it they start diving into that stereotype of just kind of being loud and just like moving their arms a lot like there is that Miley Cyrus sketch on SNL that one time and like uh, this is definitely before that era really started like sure there's a lot of actors uh when they're kids that don't quite have it down but like they're they're getting it done for the most part (laughs) yes they are uh also there's a line in this that actually like in the pilot uh What's his face? Corey. They're talking about like how Corey might have like dumped his dad for uh, for his friends. And then is like, Corey, you don't really get this. And Corey says, quote, I'm a kid. I don't understand the emotional content of Full House. Oh, yeah, that was a good line. I was like, wow, that's such a good line that really like says what it is while also being funny and cheeky about it. Yeah. Oh, I also forgot to mention in general because you were talking uh, an hour ago about just this pilot and yeah I, I also just like cannot commend how good this pilot is because like I just watched the Frasier pilot the other day and like it's just they they don't do the whole like introduction to the central conflict of the show or whatever they're just like you're you'll figure out what this family's dynamics are like the little sister she's just kind of around and it's like okay her whole thing is she's just gonna be cute and that's good enough yeah well they don't ever really utilize morgan ever so they kind of like stuck to that the whole time of like this is not morgan's story at all wonderful um 
did and I did see that that actor and a lot of the actors from the show they come back for Girl Meets World. Did you ever really get into that? No, I I feel like I like was like I don't want to ruin my childhood and watch like I watched one episode of Fuller House and I was just like nah. <laughs> yeah, when for <laughs> I remember Fuller House the first season came out like when Netflix originals were rare, so everybody was watching like all of them, and God. I, I don't have a, that much of an affinity for Full House, but even this, I was just like, what are they doing? Like, the little kid that just says, holy chalupas, and that's his very obvious catchphrase. Just like, ugh. Imagine being in the pitch meeting. They're like, we need a catchphrase for this one character. And someone's just like opening their lunch. Like, oh, man, holy chalupas again. <laughs> yeah, you got it. Don't change the thing. Write that one down. Just get rid of again. I, I also remember the pilot of Fuller House, they they like dubbed over a few lines and like they added like weird bad Trump jokes in. Ugh. Like I remember Kimmy Gibbler takes off of her shoes and socks and they s- smell or something. And the little kid says like, oh, her feet smell like Trump. <laughs> and I was like, what? what is that? What are you doing? Well, that, uh, I don't know why the Trump reference is there, but the... Stinky Feet was a reference to the rest of the show because that was like a running gag through the whole show that she had bad feet. Great. Yep. Classic. (laughs) That's comedy in a nutshell. Yeah. And then two of the stars ended up being criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think. What else? Is there anything else that we're missing with Full House or any? Or not Full House. Gosh. Boy Meets World. I got some notes. Yes, please. All right. So. Corey leaves his so Corey gets kicked out of his house kind of right and then lives in his treehouse. Right. Then Corey comes back into his house to steal his own underwear, and his mom holds him up using a duck hunt controller, NES duck hunt controller, and he's playing coy and she goes, Who are you? And he says, quote, Who else wants my underwear? <laughs> and I felt that line was very funny and silly because I was just like uh, a lot of perverts. Yep. <laughs> Just wait for another special episode. No, well, that's a that's a good point. I both of the parents, I love them. Like the mom has like a really great vibe to her in a way that isn't just like she's a mom and that's her whole thing. Like it's it seems that she's like the stay-at-home mom and like a lot of sitcoms have, but like that she's the one doing like a lot of this ta- the sit and talks with her kid and like I could tell from the finale with all of the flashbacks that like the dad has like a lot of nuance to him. Like he, he has a lot of trouble talking to Eric after he kind of like messes up college and SATs and stuff like that. And it's like, I just appreciate a show that throws actual development and character things that are based in the real world instead of just like, you know, we're all just, cracking jokes at each other like it's funny these are probably compared so often full house and boy meets world but like they're completely different sides of of the coin yeah i i think that like full house is just a comedy there's no like development like cut it out and like that guy never grows up and uncle jesse never grows up and no one ever grows up he has a baby and the baby lives in the in the attic with them are you familiar with the whole full house without michelle theories oh is it um, are you ready to have your mind blown 
So I, if I'm remembering correctly, this is the theory that like Michelle died, and so they're all just like trying to live together and failing to cope with the loss. Yeah, it's Michelle dies in in the pilot, like or before pre the pilot when the mom dies in a car crash. So Michelle's never born. So Michelle that we see is Danny's fever dream. And because of this, some people on the internet took YouTube clips and CGI'd Michelle out. So there are clips of Danny talking to what is supposed to be Michelle and the actual thing. And it's just them reacting to Danny talking to nothing. I love that. It's kind of like a Garfield minus Garfield vibe to it. Yeah, exactly the same thing, except I, I love dark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, now now I've you've piqued my curiosity and I need to quickly see if there's any boy meets world theories because i love i should have looked that up um okay so apparently topanga's sister shows up once and is then never seen again yeah i don't remember topanga's sister ever existing so that probably makes sense yeah and so uh yeah there now and then Uh, that explains why like Corey is like hesitant about being a father because of like, or Topanga's sister like died between season one and two. So she's never seen again. And why Topanga's family changes so drastically. uh, And that's why Topanga carries this cynicism. Okay. That makes, yeah. Cause Topanga came off as robotic, and I don't think growing up I noted that in my brain, but watching it today, I was like, oh, she has like this roboticness to her a lot of times. Yeah, and then there's also this theory that Eric uh, is recruited by some government intelligence agency, uh, like, right around college, and that's why he, like you were saying, he started becoming, like, kind of goofier and stupider, Um, (laughs) so it seems that he is not mature anymore and he's a buffoon so that people would not catch on to him and that Feeney is uh, the person that recruited him. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. Oh, man. While watching this and the thing you just brought up, unrelated, but I was like, oh, I didn't realize Eric was like so artsy and like I almost feel like the dynamic between him and the father is like artsy liberal versus conservative like macho dad. So oh, I'd get that that checks out because also the dad midway through the show opens his own sporting goods store a la every Tim Allen character. So that, that kind of tracks. Yeah, it's like there's a little last man standing hitting hiding in plain sight in this show. Minus the catchphrase. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. Tim Allen, right? <laughs> yeah. And also, wait, the 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 one actor from uh book smart not beanie feldman i think she was originally the daughter on the show but then she finally like got out of her contract and they just like either ignored that the character left forever or they just classic just replaced her with somebody else who vaguely looks like her so she was supposed to be the little girl morgan uh yes (laughs) i uh yes i'll go with it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this just become a conspiracy theory podcast for everybody's favorite and least favorite uh, 90s sitcoms. I think that's a whole podcast in itself is 90s sitcoms conspiracy theories. Yeah, I'd listen to it. Uh, Probably listen to it too. Uh, 
Um, is uh, Ronnie, do you have any final thoughts on uh, Boy Meets World or anything like from the whole scope of the show that you wanted to bring up before we kind of go into the uh, rating process? Sure. Uh, let's see. I had a whole bunch of notes. So I'm just going to jaunt through them real quick. Yeah, please. That they were watching either Letterman or Leno. We don't really discuss, but like we find that out right off the bat that they're fans of comedy. So I like that. That was just if they were little kids i would say i would say letterman i was a leno kid but that's because i was weird i feel like letterman is like the the middle school boy choice definitely listen to philly's game we talked about that i feel like they did a good job setting all seven seasons i don't understand full house who wants my underwear that was fun (laughs) uh i don't remember sean ever being in drag but i was like nice yeah i was like that's a that's cool. Overwhelming. I don't know what this note means. Do you know, don't you like, do you ever write notes in the middle of the night in your phone about stand up and you're like, wait, what does that mean? Constantly. I have such a long list and I go through all of them when I'm like, I, sh- I haven't written anything in a while and it's garbage. It, there's nothing to go off of. Oh, I have a few things that, uh, so first off, I think there should be a law against finales that are only clip shows. Yeah. Okay. I agree with this because um, I could not figure out what was part of the finale and what was a clip. And I, I felt like I was in a fever dream. Yeah, same. And I like knew for the most part what the show, like, like I had like a vague idea of the whole show. I've watched most of it. I probably watched like total half of the episodes like throughout my like childhood. And I still was like, wait, what, what's going on also like that little kid at the end was he Corey's son that that confused me the most and apparently that like the the family did have another child but i the timing i could not figure out how old that kid was and how much time had passed between that it didn't add up yeah uh i liked separate idea i like that Corey calls out to feeney at the end you haven't talked to another student in seven years. So they just called out how bad the writing was in that case of like. That That was very good because I, I feel like usually the, like when a show does kind of a meta joke like that, it kind of falls flat. But I was like, for the most part, the show seemed pretty grounded. And if they're going to do one little reference, so be it. Yeah. All right. Now my final thought. This one might be controversial and heavy. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm please. Not even, it's just dark. So I was like thinking the timing is that they're leaving Philadelphia for New York, right? And so, and this ends in 2000. So they're getting to New York, right? So the oh, next- Oh no. Starts at 9-11. <laughs> oh my God. That's, you're so right. Yeah, Boy Meets World season eight is, their first episode is them dealing with 9-11 in their apartment together. Mr. Feeney. <laughs> <laughs> And they like Skype Feeney, even though Skype's not out yet. They're like, what do we do? Feeney, tell us about steel beams. <laughs> oh. Oh, so sad, right? <laughs> well, on that note, now's the part of the podcast where we rate everything. So uh, we're both going to rate this on a scale of zero to five. You can be as specific as you'd like with, uh, you know, decimal places and all that. So Ronnie, um, what would you be giving Boy Meets World uh, today? Great. The whole show or just what we watch? I, I mean, I'll be rating on what we watched, but f- feel free to go based off of your experience with the whole show. I, I'm leaning towards like a four or something, a little higher, maybe like a four and a half. Uh, sure. I feel like the pilot was very strong. It was way stronger than I remember it being. Like now, like knowing like 
structure, introduce the characters, what's going on for the rest of the show. And I feel like that got really done well of like they set Feeney up to be lonely. They set Corey and Sean up to having like a sibling rivalry, but still love each other. And I feel like that all stays the course. Wait, is that a thread that Feeney is just lonely? Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Feeney. We love Feeney though. Feeney's good. I do like Feeney. He, we haven't mentioned it. He has a great mustache. I, I'm a big mustache fan. Not in like a, haha, isn't this ironic way? I I just like them a lot, and he nails it. I uh, so I did background on a TV show a few days ago, and I assumed that they wanted me to clean shave because that's what they said in the email to me. And what I found out afterwards is I could have kept a, like a 1970s mustache going, Ooh. and I regret that I missed that opportunity. Damn it! You know yeah. what? 2021, you can do whatever you want now. Get a little porn sash. Yeah, but overall, I think the show is way better than I remember it because I was like, oh, as an adult, I'm still having feelings watching this. Totally. Um, and I'm I'm at a similar place to you. I mean, just based off of the two episodes that I watched and one of them being just a full-on clip show, um, <laughs> I, I'm rating uh, Boy Meets World a 3.7 out of 5. Like, I think this is something that if it's on or if somebody's like, I could really go for some Boy Meets World... Let's do it. I'm definitely going to watch the uh, Adam Scott arc in a few minutes when we're done recording. But, like, it's there's nothing wrong with a good three-camera sitcom. I am a huge defender of them. Like, it's easy laughs, but they're a good time. And we all need just to let go a little bit and just relax. So why not cozy on up with Boy Meets World? Available on Disney+. And that's not even a plug. And... So crunching the numbers, this is actually the second time, uh, the second episode in a row that this has happened. The score that we gave uh, Boy Meets World is exactly equal to another movie on our list. So we're going to say it. Boy Meets World, according to this podcast, is equal to the movie E.T. <gasps> Ooh, that is high praise because E.T. is a classic. Yeah, and then that it's sandwiched by Ratatouille and Labyrinth. So pretty good company for Boy Meets World. Yeah, that's good company because like, it's like Shory and, uh, Shory and Khan, I almost said. Sean and Corey. <laughs> and then David Bowie on the same like plane. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then a, a, mount, a rat that can cook. Uh, <laughs> Ronnie, thank you so much for uh, carving out some time to to talk today. Uh, what would you like to plug? Uh, I got stuff on YouTube that people can check out. Ra- what is my YouTube? Ronnie Pascal, NYC. <laughs> it's your name? <laughs> yeah, it's my name. But then YouTube made me put NYC at the end of it because there's like, there's another Ronnie Pascal. And it was like, is the name taken? They're like, no, but we want you to be more specific in who you are. Well, damn, YouTube's a life coach now. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Just not Facebook, actually. Yeah. I don't want to be a friend. <laughs> and eventually, uh, you'll see Ronnie in the background of TV somewhere. Um, and there's, I say, four words on a TV show coming up. But oh. we not about that yet too much, Ooh. so. Okay, well, that's something to get excited about. And uh, as always, if you can rate and review this wherever you're listening, it helps us out. And, you know, uh, we'll hear you uh, in a fortnight. It's exciting. The next episode is episode 150, which is wild. So 
Uh, I have something not very special, but somehow special planned. But that is all for today. We will hear you in a fortnight. And go, go, Gadget, end show.